So let's talk about Sydney Sweeney, euphoria, nudity, double standards, harassment, and a, a bunch of general ridiculousness and disgusting stuff. So Sydney plays Cassie on Euphoria, a character who struggles with how she treats sex and relationships, and so with that, her character has a fair amount of scenes involving sex and nudity. And if you've seen Euphoria, you know that the show has a lot of nudity, both for men and women. But during a recent interview with The Independent, Sydney said she actually asked the show's creator, Sam Levinson, for some of her nude scenes to be cut back a bit, explaining there are moments where Cassie was supposed to be shirtless, and I would tell Sam, I don't really think that's necessary here. And adding, he was like, okay, we don't need it. It never felt like Sam has pushed it on me or was trying to get a nude scene into an HBO show. When I didn't want to do it, he didn't make me. So hey, one, that's a great thing to hear. Consent and comfort, very, very important. But also two, it was notable because it kind of flies in the face of a meme you might've seen on TikTok recently. Take them titties out cause I'm trying to see them. AM to the PM, double did them and I need them. But while this seemingly not accurate towards Euphoria, this kind of mindset that a director or a group in Hollywood would do this, it, it's not like it comes out of nowhere. In fact, Sydney opened up in this interview and seemed to be saying, you know, what Sam Levinson did by taking her feelings, her comfort level into account, that's not the norm. Saying sometimes the respect's just not there and adding, I've had experiences where I wanna go home and scrub myself completely raw because I feel disgusted. And also claiming that she feels like she's gotten less critical credit for her work on Euphoria because of her nude scene. Saying that when she actually got all this buzz was when she did White Lotus, a show where her character had no nude scenes. And adding, this is something that has bothered me for a while. I'm very proud of my work in Euphoria. I thought it was a great performance, but no one talks about it because I got naked. But then adding, I do the White Lotus and all of a sudden critics are paying attention. People are loving me. They're going, oh my God, what's she doing next? I was like, did you not see that in Euphoria? Did you not see that in The Handmaid's Tale? And with that saying, she believes that there's a stigma against actresses who get naked on screen, noting that when a guy has a sex scene or shows his body, he still wins awards and gets praise. But the moment a girl does it, it's completely different. With Sweeney also saying that by doing nude scenes, it's also translated into some like disgusting real world consequences. Saying that after images of her nude scenes on Euphoria were posted online, Sydney only learned about it after those images were sent to her little brother. Saying that was the most hurtful thing that anybody could do. What I do is completely separate from my family. My character is completely separate to me. It's just so disrespectful and distressing. And here's the thing, Sydney is far from the first actress to express these kinds of concerns, right? That, that this double standard has long existed. Amelia Clark has been very open about how she feels about all the nudity her character had to do on Game of Thrones. Saying in an interview, there was a ton of nudity early in the show because she was new to the industry and did not know what to expect. With her then adding that she really had to fight to keep her clothes on. Saying, I'm a lot more savvy now with what I'm comfortable with and what I'm okay with doing. I've had fights on set where I'm like, no, the sheet stays up. And they're like, you don't want to disappoint your Game of Thrones fans. And I'm like, you. Jennifer Lawrence has also spoken up about how expected nudity is of actresses in Hollywood, with Lawrence having described a really weird and disrespectful audition she did, saying a female producer had me do a lineup with about five women who were much, much thinner than me. We stood side by side with only tape covering our privates. And adding, after that degrading and humiliating lineup, the female producer told me I should use the naked photos of myself as inspiration for my diet. Also talking about another producer where she said, he said he didn't know why everyone thought I was so fat. He thought I was, quote, perfectly fuckable. How charming, what a poet. You know, I think you take all of that, and once again, this is just a small piece of a much bigger bigger issue. He takes some of that, especially this story with Sweeney, and I think it makes sense why this became such a big thing on social media and in headlines. Because the headline goes beyond, hey, Sam Levinson, apparently not a scumbag. That's awesome, let's clap. It's that positive change for the industry and the people inside of it can actually happen when we show a light, not on just the bad stuff, but the people trying to take steps to actually care about others. But ultimately, that's the story as it is now, a little bit of my opinion. And of course, with this, I wanna pass my question off to you. You know, when you hear all these actresses talking, Sweeney, of course, the most recent, does it make you view nudity that you've maybe seen in entertainment differently? Yes. No, why, why not? Because I will say, you know, the, the further I looked into this and, and the more quotes that I found, I was like, oh, it felt like there was such a constant of actresses will go nude early on in their career. And then once they actually have some power, they go like, I don't like this. Which you could say, hey, that's part of playing the game in the industry, but also it, it feels 
dirty. I don't know, while I digest that, uh, you let me know your thoughts. Also, while you do that, or you ignore my call to action like the unsupportive monster you are, uh, maybe hit that like button. I jumped into the news so fast, I forgot to ask you beautiful bastards for that love. And then, kind of connected because it deals with consent, but it is a different news story, let's talk about Pamela Anderson. So right now, there's this controversy surrounding the upcoming Pam and Tommy Hulu miniseries. It comes out in February, and it'll follow the story of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee's relationship, specifically about how their sex tape was stolen and then leaked to the public. Lily James is playing Pamela, Sebastian Stan is playing Tommy, but even before it's aired, the show is sparking backlash with some saying they're just going to boycott it. And that's because sources have said that Pamela has had no involvement whatsoever in making the series. And another source adding that it's been very painful for Pamela Anderson and for anyone that loves her. It's shocking that this series is allowed to happen without her approval. And adding that when it comes to this part of her life, she feels so violated to this day. It brings back a very painful time for her. Which is why we've now seen a wave of people online saying, you gotta skip this one, folks. Profiting off of someone's trauma is already not okay. Profiting off of someone's trauma without their consent and ignoring their pleas to not do so is just flat out evil. But the producers of the show have actually said, hey, we're actually the good guys. Suggesting that their goal is to sort of rewrite harmful narratives around Pamela. Producer Robert Siegel saying that Pamela is the hero that at every step of the way we try to do right by her. And Lily James saying she reached out to Pamela but never heard back, explaining, I was really hopeful that she would be involved. I wish it had been different. My sole intention was to take care of the story and to play Pamela authentically and to cash this Hulu check. But even if you're not a cynic like me, you have people saying, how can this show possibly do Pamela any right if it just forces her to relive the trauma? There's people pointing out that it wasn't just the sex tape. You had Tommy Lee going to jail for six months for physically abusing Pamela, arguing that the show is just turning her abuse into entertainment. But also at the same time, you have some arguing, you know, if you have a person that is a subject matter for a piece of content, whether it be a docu-series or, or something like this, right? A mini-series. That the subject doesn't need to sign off on something if you are trying to do something honest. The people using Britney Spears as an example saying, you know, she expressed that she wasn't a fan of the docu-series that were made about her, but those by and large supported her, uh, put a new light on what the world had put her through, and in some ways may have actually helped her get out of the conservatorship because it just helped people rally around her. But even those people adding, of course, Britney Spears has the right to not like those documentaries, not trust them, but they still do mainly work out in her benefit. So with this story, I mean, what are your thoughts here? You see this miniseries as Hollywood trying to exploit someone's pain and trauma for their benefit? Yes, no, why, why not? I'd love to hear from you. But from that, I wanna take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. You know, I've been partnering with Squarespace for years now, and I have to say, if you're getting your business off the ground or creating a place to share your homemade goods, new favorite hobby, current obsession, or even a personal blog to get all those thoughts out of your head, no matter what you are doing, Squarespace is there to help. And it's just so easy. There's nothing to install, patch, or upgrade ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's all-in-one platform has never been so simple. It's extremely intuitive and easy to use. And with their mobile optimized websites, your content automatically adjusts. Your content looks great on any device. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics and their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat 24-7. So if you want to check it out, try it out, see why so many others before you have loved it, start your free trial today over at squarespace.com Phil. And when you realize you love it, make sure you enter an offer code Phil to get 10% off your first purchase. And then let's talk about Virginia's new Republican governor, Glenn Youngkin, and his snitch line, which has now received a lot of backlash. And Glenn has been a very busy boy. I mean, just on his first day, he signs an executive order banning so-called critical race theory and quote, inherently divisive concepts from being taught in public education. And I say so-called because CRT is a thing, but there are a lot of misconceptions about what CRT actually is. But as Axios, I think, explains very well, critical race theory is an academic framework created by legal scholars in the 1970s that focuses on systemic racism, especially in the US legal system. And pay attention, key point here, despite not being taught in most K-12 schools in the United States, CRT has become a major talking point for Republicans who have used the term broadly to describe discussion and training about diversity and equity or anti-racism. Right, so just to make sure we are on the same page, CRT is not even included in Virginia's curriculum standards. So as a result, many educators and scholars have expressed concerns that this policy will be used to broadly restrict the accurate teaching of history. And even Youngkin seemed to admit that when asked if CRT was taught at all in the state with him responding, fundamental building blocks of actually accusing one group of being oppressors and another oppressed does exist in Virginia schools. Like Glenn 
one, you are villainizing teachers who are just trying to teach basic history. And to the people that argue that like by teaching them about slavery or the Holocaust or anything like that, like the, the goal is to instill guilt. Unless you're like actively supporting Jim Crow or slavery, you shouldn't feel guilty. Like I don't know your home life, but the, the anger and the fear just feels so off base. But also getting back on track, that wasn't the only policy that Youngkin did that pissed off many educators. He also passed an executive order making masks optional in schools. With that sparking a ton of backlash from Virginians who argue that the policies just represent Youngkin's personal agenda and not what the people want. With many there pointing to the fact that the majority of schools in Virginia enrolling two-thirds of the students have actively disobeyed the order. And while Youngkin in one hand responded by calling for calm, at the same time in the other he stoked divisions during an interview with a conservative radio host on Monday. With him there inciting people even more by announcing that he opened an email tip line for parents to report quote divisive practices in their schools. And who would have thunk at the idea of a tattle on a teacher tip line prompted a ton of outrage and criticism. This including from the president of the Virginia Education Association Teachers Union telling reporters he believed the tip line was quote designed to intimidate educators simply trying to do their jobs. It's also since resulted in people taking to Twitter, urging people to spam the email, including major names like John Legend, who tweeted, black parents need to flood these tip lines with complaints about our history being silenced. We are parents too. Others also tweeting out examples of top troll tweets that were sent writing things like, Alvis Dumbledore was teaching that full-blooded wizards discriminated against mudbloods. Fire him immediately. We also saw some Gen Z TikTokers encouraging their followers to bomb the tip line as well. This including 21-year-old Sophia Angile. We even went as far as to launch a website that automatically generates emails to send to the line that include the name of a public school in Virginia and lyrics to a pop song, with her telling Insider that so far the page attracts about 1,500 people every 30 minutes. But yeah, as far as if all of that will actually be effective in overwhelming the tip line, we'll have to wait and see, much like with the rest of this story. And then, we talked about it yesterday, but it actually happened today. Supreme Court Justice Stephen Pryor announced that he is officially retiring from the Supreme Court. You know, with this news, we saw some Republican politicians saying some interesting things. Republican Senator Collins saying the Senate should not be in a rush to fill the position. You also had Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell saying that Biden shouldn't outsource his nomination to the radical left, saying President Biden received a mandate and it was to govern from the middle. Which, I just have to say, while it is not surprising, it is it is overwhelmingly hypocritical. Like, just using the last open position as an example, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died and before she was even in the ground. Like, Trump ran over, fired her t-shirt cannon into protesters outside of a Planned Parenthood and was like, boom, Amy Coney Barrett. And they got her in in 30 days. And y'all have the gall to be like, we should take our time someone down the middle. And meanwhile, if the Democrats take their time, we just have to like hold our breath and hope no one has a heart attack. Like we gotta pray that, that Joe Manchin doesn't fall off his yacht when he was like trying to pick up more donations for standing in the way of voting rights. All in the hopes that you have the 50 votes, the Democrats can actually get someone through and the split is still six to three conservative to liberal. Like I think Mitch McConnell may be the devil, but I gotta respect the hustle. This guy's still running full speed down the court, even though he's got a crazy lead. But as far as what the actual timeline's gonna look like here, President Biden said that he should have a pick by the end of next month, which really doesn't feel like a rush pick given the fact that they've probably been expecting Breyer to do this for a while now. And then finally, with this story, as far as will Biden nominate a black woman like he promised, Biden actually said today, the person I will nominate will be someone of extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. As well as looking through Breyer's words, it does look like he has a stipulation in retiring, saying his retirement will take effect when the court, quote, rises for the summer recess, assuming that by then my successor has been nominated and confirmed. Which kind of feels like the, the mansion, cinema, or someone has a heart attack clause. But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. As always, thank you for watching, liking, I love yo faces, and I'll see you next time.